hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it. Like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's that's all we know about. Why is that? It's because the insignificant somebody would take the time to document their life. Hello everyone, my name is Kaylin Otto and you're listening to The Unruly Podcast. I am so stoked to have you here today. I just, (laughs) when I sit back and think about it, it's so cool that I'm able to record this and then it's like playing for you while you're just going on and about with your life. So thank you for listening. It, It truly, truly means a lot. Uh, today's episode is pretty awesome. I interview my friend Alexis from Have Curves Will Travel, and I hope you take the time to check out her travel blog. And before we get into it, I wanted to remind you that I also have a travel blog outside of this podcast, outside of the videos and memes and everything that you see me post on Instagram and social media. My favorite thing to do is do like long form written blog posts, articles, travel guides, and opinion pieces. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes where you can check out that section of my blog. And yeah, I think it's really important (laughs) that we also pay attention to media that is not just the three second catchy reels, right? Because a blog where you can write allows you to be thoughtful, it allows you to be critical, and it allows you to tell a fuller story. So some of the stories that I've been telling, things I've been writing about on the blog, is one, Earth Day. Because between the last podcast episode that was published and this one, Earth Day has come and gone. And so I shared an article about my frustrations, about how there's, at least in the U.S., this general culture that... Everyone's posting, happy Earth Day, we love the Earth, but the actions behind that are can be pretty flat and misguided and empty. So in this article, I share powerful practices to help protect the Earth on Earth Day and beyond, especially if you are a traveler. Another article that I wrote and published is called, What is Natural Building? 13 Important Books on Natural Building Materials, Techniques, and More. So if you know me in real life or through the weird World Wide Web, you would know that when I'm not traveling, I do live off-grid and I am by no means a natural building expert or an off-grid living expert, but I have been learning a lot over the years and I've even interviewed an incredible natural builder on this podcast. So In this article, there are a ton of free resources if you're excited, you're interested in that sort of lifestyle, and some great books to get you started. Now, I also want to say happy Pride, because I know that Pride is right around the corner, 
And this podcast always celebrates queer people. We've had so, so many queer people on this podcast. Obviously, this podcast is hosted by a queer person, so it's like always pride here. But in the show notes, I'm also going to share a collection of some of my favorite podcast episodes that have been recorded by queer folks on this podcast. Today is another one that will be added to that collection. And speaking of people that celebrate pride and honor queer folks all year long, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is Rome Rhino. And if you frequently listen to the podcast, you know that I've talked about them before. And after doing so, I was so delighted that so many of you went on and created profiles. But now I am challenging you to get back on the app and post to it. I want to see what you've been up to, where you've been, your favorite travel destinations, all of the things. Now, for those of you who haven't heard about Rhino before, I'm going to fill you in. Rhino is a new social travel app that enables people to share and discover travel experiences all over the world. They're different from other apps because they're focused on inclusion in the travel space and they believe in honoring the identities that contribute to who we are and impact how we travel. On Rhino, you can explore travel experiences in different destinations posted by communities like the API community or the queer community. Holla! I am personally a big fan of their mission and how they are talking about travel, especially in this digital age. So you can download the Rome Rhino app on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store, and I will leave a link for you to do so in the show notes. Hello, Alexis. Welcome to the Unruly podcast. I'm very excited to have you on here. First, can you just tell us a little bit about you? and where you are right now. I can't hear any pigeons, but I kind of wish I could. So let us <laughs> let us know what's going on, where you are, what the pigeon situation is. <laughs> yeah, hi everyone. Um, I'm Alexis, as Kaylin mentioned, and I am super excited to be here today. Um, I'm a 29 year young, plus size queer woman from Southern California, originally in the States. Right now, I am in England, where indeed there are pigeons. (laughs) In fact, I had to ask if that was a pigeon, because the pigeons here are like the size of dogs. I'm not even kidding. What? I was like, that's not a pigeon. And they said, oh yeah, that's a pigeon. So Why are they so large there? They're very well fed from everyone's backyard bird feeders, apparently. They have like different classes of pigeons, and the ones that around the neighborhoods are very fluffy. <laughs> oh, and I imagine they're super cute, too. <laughs> they are so cute. <laughs> um, I started doing, so I started doing seasonal work when I was 19, and I went to a summer job in Alaska, which actually opened up a lot of doors for me, including learning about solo travel and people that travel more than the traditional one to two weeks a year in the U.S., mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, I've been bigger my whole life as I said, I'm plus size. And I grew up being really heavily bullied and ostracized for it. Mm. But I've always kind of kept the spark of joy like within myself to go try new things and explore. And that is how I started my blog, which is Have Curves Will Travel. Awesome. And we're going to get into all the different things that you cover on your blog and how you're able to travel and, you know, stay for longer stints in different countries. 
But for the beginning, I have a surprise get to know you question, which I did not send you ahead of time. Uh, So (laughs) Alexis has no idea what this is. And my question for you is, even if someone like read all of your social media posts, right? They go on your Instagram and they look at everything on there. What is something that they would not know that you are passionate about until you told them? Besides travel. I am a huge... Okay, that's good. I am a huge animal nerd. I love marine life. And I can literally talk about it forever and just tell you all sorts of random animal facts. And literally, I went on a date recently and they mentioned something about orcas. And I was all, oh my gosh, you like orcas? And then just started telling them about orcas. Yes. And I was going to say, like, how does that impact your trouble, your travels, like loving marine life? And I guess one way is that you talk about it on dates, right? Yes. Yes. Also, I love going to places that have really awesome, like, biodiverse ecosystems. Mm-hmm. And that kind of also ties into taking trips that are, like, more sustainable and going to places for, like, sustainable ecotourism is something I love to do. Yes, yes, which is something I love too, so we're going to have to talk about that today. And I'm just wondering, does that mean that you like like snorkeling, whale watching, things like that, or those activities that you pursue? Oh, love it. I love snorkeling, I love kayaking, I love responsible like marine life viewing um, trips. Mm-hmm. Love those so much. It's just such a great way to see places, learn about, like, the local ecosystems, and see these beautiful creatures that you may never be able to see um, other times in your life. You know, not everyone lives by the ocean, even though it does cover so much of this planet, and it's just, it's an experience I love to seek out. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, and I feel like, sadly, with, you know, different animals disappearing from the ocean, it's like, sadly see them while you can and you know try to support companies that are supporting them and and do your best so sometimes I feel like it's a real privilege and an honor to see them while they're still here as sad as that sounds absolutely no you are fully right and when people are able to see them I think too it makes such a strong impact that people are able to then kind of start thinking about what are some ways that you as a traveler like seeing this seeing this sea turtle like what are some things you can do in your life that can positively affect this beautiful animal you know yeah totally and then you have people like me and you who are excited about these things and can share like this is how what you do in your daily life affects this animal on the other side of the world or in a different ocean um so yeah i'm so excited I didn't know that about you so that's good that was a good that was a good intro question (laughs) (laughs) yes so I want to get right into travel right because you're in England right now and you know Mm -hmm. you've been traveling for an extended period of time but what drew you this is such a cliche question but we just got to know what drew you into travel (laughs) in the first place well there are like a few key moments in my life that pointed me into this direction of travel but one I really clearly remember is I was in fifth grade history class and we were learning about India Mm -hmm. we were learning about the history the culture like everything 
And my teacher, she had actually been to India a lot, many times. And I just remember this feeling of just, wow, look at this colorful, rich history. This country's over 8,000 years of history. I want to go there. Mm. I want to experience this. And I kind of held on to that. But, you know, as I grew up, I was told that traveling abroad was something that you don't do solo as a girl. And, you know, I believe them, all scary stories. Mm -hmm. I traveled within the States and did road trips with my family. And I always loved going to new cities and exploring. But I knew there was kind of some more things out there. And when I turned 19, I started doing seasonal work. For people that don't know what that is, um, seasonal work is where you travel somewhere to work for like their peak tourism seasons usually when they need workers to come in from the outside because there's such an influx of people. Mm-hmm. And speaking of like nature and stuff, Alaska is where I ended up in the third largest national park in the United States. And when I tell you that summer changed my life, I am not exaggerating. The people that did seasonal work full-time and between seasons would travel the world just opened my eyes so much. People were traveling by themselves. I met so many badass women, too, that were doing this, and it really inspired me. But at that point, I was still a little bit too shy to even take myself out to eat alone at that point. Mm. Um, But finally, when I was 23... I went on my first big international trip. My friend was adopted by a Filipino family, actually, in the States. Um, However, they still had a lot of family back in the Philippines, and we had always said, Alexis, one day you're going to come on a trip with us to the Philippines. We're going to stay with my family. It's going to be awesome. And I did. The chance came. I went, and I was off for a (laughs) three-week local experience across the Pacific, And it was such a humbling experience, and it really gave me the opportunity to see in person the way life works so differently, you know, around the world. Mm -hmm. And that really just, that spark from fifth grade just turned into a flame. (laughs) And I was like, all right, it's time. I'm not waiting for people anymore. Mm It's time to travel, like really get out there. And that next year is when I did my first solo trip. Wow. So can you tell us, because it's interesting to me, there's like, I don't know if travelers, like people who in their adult life that really get into travel and like make it their life are like built differently, wired differently internally somehow. But I feel like so many people when they're a kid, right, they have these things that like that that uh, spark ignites, like you said, inside of mm-hmm. them. And then by the time they get to a- adulthood, it's totally dampened. Like, it's not even there anymore. How do you feel yeah. like you protected that spark so that by the time you made it into adulthood, you were able to, like, nourish that and, and actually kind of bring that back out in yourself? Yes, that that is such a huge question. And I actually talk about this with people a lot. So I... Something in me my whole life, I've been really stubborn about <laughs> doing the things that I love, that mm-hmm. make me smile, that bring me joy, because life is so freaking short. And so, literally, what took me to Alaska was I was 19 and trying to get a job in L.A., 
but I refused to just like get a job that wasn't something I cared about. Mm -hmm. And that is how I found out about seasonal work for the summer because I was a freshman in college. And I was like, you know what? Hospitality was what I was looking at doing for a career. And so being stubborn and being curious Mm. is what kind of gave me that spark and the ability to keep it because so many people will, you know, circumstances, they have to kind of give up on certain things, but I was just so stubborn. Just I really held on because life is so short and it's always been so important for me to, to hold on to those things that do make me happy. And I think that's how I was able to, you know, I made it 23. I had that experience with the Philippines and I said, yes, I knew it. I knew it was going to happen and I'm going for it. <laughs> I, I love that, that you were like, I knew it and you worked hard to be stubborn and kind of protect that over the years and it totally paid off. Like, that's amazing. Do you have any advice for people who feel like they had this spark either when they were younger or in high school or just like an earlier point in their life and life kind of just beat them up and they want to find out like what even is that spark? Like, is there a spark inside of me? What am I even passionate about? Who am I? Do you have any advice for those people on how they could, they can kind of dig deep and try to find that? Yes, absolutely. So I actually worked for a really, really rad company one time called Road Trip Nation. And their whole thing is about kind of helping people find like their roadmap in life. Mm. And what I learned and what I tell people is sit down for a second and take like a post-it note or something and write down the three things that you do that turns five hours, it really feels like five minutes to you because it's something that you just love so much, Mm -hmm. you know, and then kind of think about, okay, like, how can I do this more? Or is there a way I could make a career out of this even? But it's also important to remember, like, the things you love, you don't have to make money off of them. Mm -hmm. And you can still find ways to do them in a way that make you happy as just like something to go do and it's never too late to do those things that is I think one of the biggest messages I want to give people because when I was working those seasonal jobs in Alaska I would have people say to me almost every week wow I really wish I did what you were doing Mm -hmm. when I was younger I waited, and now it's too late. And I say, screw that. It's not too late. (laughs) If you're alive, there's still a chance. Go out there and freaking do it. (laughs) I love love that you tell them you're not just like, oh, yeah, I wish you could have done it too. You're like, no, screw that. Stop saying that. Just go do it. Because I, I feel like that's such a thing when people see young people traveling a lot. They're like, oh, I, I wish I would have done that. I wish I could still do this. And a lot of times, I mean, some of those people are in a place where they're retired and they have the, the finances now, right? Which is like usually the hard part for young people. Um, and they have the time and I'm like, you can still go do this. It might look a little bit different, but like, just get out there, you know? Like you have to, you have to put one foot in front of the other, get out the door and just try to jump into it. Yes, absolutely. And 
One thing that's so cool is like actually there's so many opportunities for retired people out there that does involve seasonal work. I I met mm. a couple. They're so cool. They're retired, and what they would do is they'd go work for the summer in Alaska together, like work at the front desk or being a bus driver for a company, and then the rest of the year they would go travel the world together so cool like there are so many opportunities for you out there no matter how young or old you are it's it's awesome yeah thank you thank you for that reminder because I feel like you know that's what you do with your blog too you're like telling people regardless of size regardless how old you are regardless of your gender or whatever like there are still opportunities out there and you're encouraging people to go find them which thank you for doing that because I feel like sometimes we just need a reminder like (laughs) it might not look exactly like what the next person is doing but that's okay like I can still do this Absolutely. And, you know, I needed that reminder because, you know, when I first started traveling, there wasn't people that looked like me, really, that were in the media Mm -hmm. doing the stuff I was doing. And, you know, there were, oh, is there a wetsuit that's going to fit me at this place? I don't know, but I just need to go do it and ask the questions and try. Mm -hmm. Is that what fueled you to start your travel blog in the first place? because you didn't see this representation outside of yourself? Yeah, so I when I started doing seasonal work and traveling like for seasonal work or to the Philippines, for example, I always would share it online with my friends and family on mm-hmm. like Facebook or Instagram. And then there was a point when people that I didn't really know started messaging me or coming up to me and saying, thank you for what you're doing. You're really inspiring or wow, I didn't think that that was something that I could really do because I haven't really seen people like me doing this. Mm-hmm. And that kind of hit me and made me think, you know what? I love sharing what I'm doing. Maybe I should turn this into more of a purpose in sharing what I'm doing to give people the tools and visuals that, hey, guess what? You can do this too. And also, not everything is super easy, and there are struggles, but, you know, like when I was planning my trip to the Philippines, and then to my solo trip to Southeast Asia, I could find endless blog articles from straight-sized people Mm -hmm. planning the trips and packing advice, but there wasn't, oh, where can I find those shorts, but like in a plus size, that are moisture-wicking, and will protect me from mosquitoes, or oh, no one told me that compression socks on a long-haul flight are freaking awesome if you're plus-sized to keep your feet from swelling. Mm-hmm. Or how about the chub rub? I couldn't find that. I had to find all that on my own, and I wanted other people to not have that struggle. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why I started my blog. Yeah, and we're going to link your blog in the show notes so that people can check it out. They can share it with friends. Um, and your Instagram, of course, as well, but the actual website too, because you have a website where you're sharing all these different articles on different subjects that, like you said, might be hard for people to find if it's not out there in the first place. So I want to talk about some of the things that you have shared about on your blog. And one of the things you've talked about is plus size friendly countries. So I want to ask you Mm -hmm. what that means. We can fill the listeners in. 
And yeah, can you give us some of those? Like what have been some of your favorite countries? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, a plus size friendly country is a place where like the actual physical place and culture is kind of designed and more accepting to have options for bigger travelers. Mm-hmm. For example, the Philippines is somewhere where the average person is a lot smaller in height and width yeah. <laughs> from the average U.S. traveler. And so even just like for me, being a plus size person who's like five foot six traveling in the Philippines, like sitting in a, in a jeepney taxi, I have to like have my head tilted to the side mm-hmm. because I'm, you know, a little bit taller and also wider, like seating and chairs at places. It's, they're just smaller people and so things are made for smaller people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's awesome to find countries, you know, it's great to visit those places that, you know, are maybe not known as a quote unquote plus size friendly like country like extra plus size friendly Mm -hmm. but there are so many places that are like for example um mexico i love mexico it's so awesome not only are people very friendly but like in mexico is such a big country full of so many different people of all sizes Mm -hmm. like all sizes are seen in mexico and when you go to visit places too, I've noticed like they have lots of different seating options, like activities, like they have different a lot of options as well that are bigger, which is really, really awesome. And I think it's great as a traveler, especially like when you're plus size and just starting to travel, to try to seek out places that are more plus size friendly because it can be really intimidating to like put yourself out there and go to a whole new country and then not feel comfortable or sometimes like things that physically aren't even as safe Mm -hmm. I have a friend who's plus size who was walking on this boardwalk at a place I stay at also in Chiang Mai, Thailand Mm -hmm. and the moment I stepped on the boardwalk I was like oof as a bigger person this feels very sketchy and unstable to me and guess what my friend fell through this boardwalk <laughs> I am dead serious her leg went through this boardwalk she's, she's okay she hasn't scraped but it's something that literally was not designed for people that are heavier right. and it's just something to think about when you're traveling Right. And that's, I, you perfectly went into the next question that I was going to ask you is if, if someone is a a plus size traveler and they're just getting into traveling, do you recommend some of these, these countries that you've listed first? And so I'm hearing you say yes, like, you know, maybe start with some places that feel easier because going to other places might feel a little bit difficult and you don't want to be turned away by your first couple trips, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I also want to remind people, it's okay to ask questions. Um, example, you want to go snorkeling while you're on this awesome trip in the Caribbean. It's okay to call a snorkeling company and ask, what kind of a ladder do you have for getting in and out of these boats? Right. Because nothing is worse than the feeling of hopping into the ocean <laughs> and then realizing you cannot get back up on this ladder because it's a little tiny rope ladder 
it's actually like a foot elevated out of the water yes. and is really hard to climb up on as an average person. That's what I was, so I was like, fly. these it's ladders are not very friendly fly. in general, like at all. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by a snorkeling ladder. I mean, literally, that's, as soon as you said snorkeling ladder, I was like, oh no, like that is just like a challenge in itself. <laughs> Exactly, and it's, it's okay to call and ask, you know, call and ask, hey, I'm, I want to go on this kayaking trip with you, I am plus size, my mm-hmm. hips are wider, what kind of kayaks do you have, like, do I need to send you the measurements of my hips to make sure it'll fit in your kayak, or what are some different options, because that's happened to me, I am an, I am an avid kayaker, and it has been three times. Mm-hmm. that I have had bad experiences with companies because they just didn't know, they mm-hmm. gave me the wrong information, or they did not have options available. Right. So you're needing to plan ahead more to ask if they have um, options that will work for you. And do you feel like sometimes you're like, oh, I'll just go and see what happens, and then that ends up being more stress in the long run? Or do you recommend for people, like, yes, every time you book a trip, like, ask? Or is it, like, 50-50 for you? Because I'm imagining there's some people who want to get into traveling, and they'll, like, hear you talking about this, and they're like, do I need to do this every time or just sometimes? Or what do you do? I would definitely say it's 50-50 with me. I think it depends on your comfort level Mm -hmm. um, and what's making you anxious. And, like, is there, what are the ways that you can alleviate that anxiety? Like, what about this trip is making you anxious? And is, is there a phone call you can make that will help you with that? Also, the, the reality is that people of their plus size, there's different sizes in the plus size spectrum. Right. And there are certain obstacles that someone who's a size 22 wouldn't face that someone that's a size 26 might face. Right. And so really just kind of think about what you're looking to do, what could possibly be an obstacle you'd face, and is this something that you should make a phone call or email about in advance to make sure you're going to have a good trip. Yeah, thank you. Such, such a good tip. And can you also to give us some, first of all, just some plus size packing tips because you said there were things that like you weren't finding online at first, like the compression socks, for example, and also just packing tips. Like if I want to go house it in Europe, like you've done, but I don't want to pay for a checked bag. How are you like fitting all your things in one small, uh, suitcase to take with you while you're, while you're traveling? Yes, oh my gosh. It, well, first of all, packing, no matter what your size is, is a struggle. Yep. But then when you add plus size in the equation, literally it means plus. Like, you have physically more space of items to go into the same bag right. <laughs> as a smaller person would. And it makes it tricky. It really does. I personally have had to come to a point of acceptance that if I want to travel with more than like just five days worth of different outfits mm-hmm. that I I just need to have a, a carry-on like roller plus a backpack mm-hmm. and you know what 
I'm okay with that because I want to be comfortable at the end of the day and have the stuff that I feel good in. But I think one of the biggest packing tips I'm going to give is compression cubes are a life changer. Mm. I know people talk about them all the time, but seriously, they help so much. And the way you pack your clothes, too, you can, like, fold them in half and lay them flat. Or I love the roll-up method Mm -hmm. where I kind of roll my clothes up into, like, a tight roll and, and stack them. That is so huge in helping with trying to get all your clothes in your bag. So are you rolling <laughs> your clothes and then putting them in a compression um, bag, or yeah. are you doing one or the other? Yeah, so I roll them up and then put them in the compression bag. Okay. Because <laughs> I feel like this is such a hot topic, and for as much as I travel, <laughs> I still can't figure it out. And then, like... <laughs> You know, friends that I talk to are like, how do you do it? And I'm like, don't take advice from me. Let's ask someone else. <laughs> so that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I roll them, put them in a compression bag, and then I, once I zip it, I squish it even more, and it's, you'd, you'd hit them with it. It's like a brick of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a built-in defense system, too, then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Do you have any other tips for packing that you that you want to include for people? Yeah, um, definitely. I think as a plus size person, like you had mentioned, I had the compression socks. Mm-hmm. I love compression socks on long haul flights. It is so great for your blood flow and circulation in your legs, and it helps so much with the swelling. And so, what I do is, I actually think you should put on a pair of compression socks to go onto your plane, and then once you're there, throw them in your suitcase and you're set. Um, also, packing, you might have a sleep apnea machine, and that's a whole other thing you have to bring with you. Mm-hmm. Um, most flights don't consider that as an extra bag when you're bringing it on a plane because it is a medical device. You have to have that with you. Right. And honestly, most airlines don't want to deal with the liability of possibly losing your machine. So that is something you can bring with you onto your flight. Mm. and not have it count against you as, like, a carry-on item. Something I want everyone to know. Right, that's that's good. My dad traveled with us um, to Ecuador last year at the... Well, actually, that was this year. I don't know. Time is so weird. And uh, he had one of those machines, and, and that was something I wasn't thinking of. And it seemed like when we got to the airport, they were very accommodating. Like, yes, this doesn't count. Please take it on. Keep it with you. So I hope that that's what other ex- people get to experience, too. Yeah, they should. So, fingers crossed. I hope you're all able to experience the accommodating nature of that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And is there anything else that you're like, this is an item that you should have with you besides the compression socks, or this is another thing to remember when you're packing for your trip? As So, from a plus-size perspective, Mm -hmm. Mega Babe brand changed my life okay then you must tell us (laughs) yes yes when it comes to chub rub aka you know thigh shaping Mm -hmm. or even like under boob sweat Mm -hmm. they have awesome products they have this like body stick it's natural too it has like coconut oil on it and stuff and yeah it is amazing you can use that for when you travel in hot places and they even have like this all over body powder. It's body safe. It doesn't have that 
crop in it like I do cancer oh my goodness yeah and it is amazing it's helped me so much when I go to hot places because I have little crevices and soft rolls that uh, become little pools of hot not funness getting a little sweaty places. <laughs> A little sweaty, you know? And it is so nice. I use their, like, all of our body powder, and they have the Mega Bag Thigh Saber Stick. Oh, mm. my gosh. Please check it out. I, like, worship them. They are amazing. Okay. Seriously. Do you have an affiliate link that we can share is the question. I I don't have an affiliate link, but they are incredible, and you should check them out. And it's woman-owned, which is so cool. Okay. That's 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 so good to know. And I don't know. Maybe they should, like, sponsor you somehow. <laughs> Please, Mega Babe. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll put the link in the show notes so people can check them out. And, uh... I'll also say I'm a very sweaty person, and this might be TMI, but, like, my butt cheeks chafe when I'm hiking for too long, and, like, to the point where I'm almost in tears because it hurts so bad, I keep having to, like, change underwear to try to, like, get the sweat to go away, and so I'll use those body sticks with my thighs and also between my butt cheeks like seriously yes. and it does wonders so don't be afraid to put that in your crack is what I'm saying do it do it <laughs> because it just yeah game changer let me tell you that <laughs> so another thing that I wanted to ask you about is what you're currently doing which is you know pet sitting and house sitting can you tell us first of all why you're doing that second of all how other people can do that and third of all have you enjoyed this experience that you've been you know going to different houses and getting free accommodation so as i'm here talking to you i'm looking at three mini dash hounds that are my current wards so i have been traveling for almost six months straight now and for most of the time, I am doing pet and hospiting, mm. which is so cool because I get to travel slower if I want to, and I get to have a really vocal experience. I mean, you don't get any more vocal than walking a dog at the dog park in a different country. <laughs> yeah, and staying in someone's house who literally lives there. Yes, and staying in someone's house. It is so cool. So I actually found out about the pet and house sitting a year ago from, um, I went to Women's Travel Fest and the, um, oh my gosh. The professional hobo? The professional hobo. (laughs) Nora Dunn. Nora Dunn. Love her. She opened my eyes to this whole world and I said, so you don't have to swap houses with people. There's a whole other option out there. If you don't own a home, yeah. cool, sign me up. And so I joined this website called Trusted House Sitters. And I do have a link that I'll share with Kaylin. Yes. And Trusted House Sitters is a company based in the UK. However, it's a worldwide company where you sign up and pay for a membership as both a pet sitter and as a pet slash home owner mm-hmm. and it includes a background check and all these things to make sure you're a real human you're not a creep you're not trying to lure people to your home to watch <laughs> your pets for nefarious reasons and you're not trying to steal their cute pug named polo yep 
it goes both and ways. Can, yeah, it goes both ways. And you can literally look at a whole map of the world. You can put, oh, I want to go somewhere close to a beach. Mm-hmm. Or I want to like, stay in an apartment. Or, you know what, I need somewhere that has good Wi-Fi because I'm a digital nomad. And it'll show you all your options. And you can do a stay as short as one day. And I've seen, like, three-month-long stays, like, in Australia. Wow. It is so cool. And you know what? I've been loving it. I don't okay. know if I've just gotten lucky. But, <sighs> you know, everyone's different. And all these pets are different. And it's really cool because on the website, it's kind of like a dating profile for pets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it has, like, the pictures of the pets. And they clearly state what your responsibilities will be mm-hmm. when you're staying in these places so you know like all right am i gonna have a dog that has a strict schedule from 8 to 10 p.m or am i gonna be watching some guinea pigs that just need me giving lettuce a few times a day yeah <laughs> so cool and yeah i've done it um so far i've been to four different homes across the uk so i've done it in wales and england and it is a great way to travel and save money because mm-hmm. I travel the lifestyle for me but the reality is I I'm not independently wealthy most people aren't and I also with my sleep apnea machine can't just afford to stay in hospital dorms right because most places won't let you stay in a hospital dorm with a sleep apnea machine mm-hmm. so that makes my costs shoot up so high just to pay for accommodations and so when I'm doing this pet and house sitting, I get that really beautiful experience and saving money, which is so cool. Right. And I imagine, are you like talking with your host um, so you can express different needs and ask questions before you get to your house sitting gig? Yes, absolutely. So you essentially apply to host to go to that host's place to take care of our pets. You, like, tell them, hey, my name's Alexis. I think your pet Rocco is so cute. I see you say (laughs) that he likes to sleep on top of a duvet. That is so cool with me. Love dogs. I've been doing, I've, you know, washed X amount of dogs, and this is what I'm doing. And, you know, what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. And you have that kind of conversation back and forth. And it's great because then you can really establish, like, oh, am I able to, like, go explore London? Or will they give me a car I can use while I'm here? Because some people do. Or do I have to have a car in order to come to this really cool rural place in Scotland and watch your sheep? Right. You know? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's perfect that you said that. That was another thing I was going to ask, if there are extra perks that you found along the way, like getting to use someone's vehicle, or I don't know if people were ever like, you could just eat the food that's here, or different things like that that have just kind of showed up as like a bonus. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. Um, I've had people that are like, all right, come like a couple days early. We're going to show you around town or Mm. we're going to have you over for a special Sunday traditional dinner. And it is so cool. Let me introduce you to the neighbors. And, oh, this this is our backyard horse that's in the adjacent yard. You can meet this horse and they're really cool people. It's so awesome. And people are so friendly and accommodating. And... Overall, they are on the site because they want to also meet you as a traveler, and mm. they're interested to hear about what you're doing. 
and they want to be good hosts, which is so cool because you're taking care of their babies. Right. You know, you're you're taking care of their animals while they're on vacation or whatever they're doing, and it's such a cool exchange. I love it. Thank you for telling us about that because that's great for people who would rather stay like in their own space, you know, not share a room, a dorm room in a hostel or can't and who want to save money. And so I know one of the questions that people are going to be thinking when they're listening to this episode is like, okay, so you get some accommodation where you're like doing an exchange or it's free because you're just watching people's animal companions. Alexis, how do you work and travel at the same time? Can you tell us? <laughs> yeah, so I do a few things. Um, firstly, I work for a really awesome woman-owned company called Dames Lee. I'm a trip leader with them. So what that means is while I'm here pet sitting, I don't need a special visa depending on the country. Mm. Please, 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 before you do exchanges, check on your different country schools you're visiting because it varies Mm -hmm. and yes volunteering and exchanging like pet sitting services is considered a visible thing in some countries Mm. um the work i do i actually go fly to different places and i go help lead trips and so it's not work related to the pet sitting, which is super awesome. Mm -hmm. But that is one of the ways that I have an income while I'm traveling. Um, These trips I only do a few times a year, but still. And then I also do um, freelance social media marketing. So I, you know, help people with doing content creation and stuff. And then I have my blog where I'm sharing all my awesome adventures and tips and triumphs and travel fails. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which, thank you for talking about that because I feel like that's such a hot topic right now. People are like, how are you able to travel and work? Like, literally, I need XYZ, a list to be inspired to figure it out. Um, Which is like a common theme I see with people, right? Which is the same for myself is true, that you're doing multiple different things. And, like you said earlier at the beginning of the conversation, that what is your passion doesn't always have to be your job. Like you can be really lucky because for you, right? Trip leading, like you're traveling and you're making money, which is great, but you're also doing like social media management, which is not maybe your main passion, um, but it fuels your passion of traveling. So I just want to put that out there for people that there's different ways and hopefully like just by hearing exactly how you do it, they'll be a little inspired too. Yes. I think it's so important too, to remember that, Travel does not have one price point. Mm, Travel mm -hmm. and the price point is what you make of it. Because the reality is that not everyone has the ability to get like $10,000 in the savings before they can take a trip. Oftentimes, it's like, I've saved up a few hundred dollars. This is all on my debit card. I don't have a credit card. (laughs) And I want to go on this adventure because... I can technically afford it right now, and life is short. Yeah. (laughs) And it's important to remember, it doesn't have to cost you thousands of dollars to go somewhere. And you can go on staycations, too, which are so awesome, somewhere in your relatively local-ish area. Mm -hmm. There's there's endless ways to travel, endless price points. Don't ever forget that. Yes, and this is a great plug for my own book, which I, like, hardly talk about on this podcast. 
um, my travel guide, which has, you know, different ways that people can do this, such as, uh, you know, watching people's animal companions and pet sitting and house sitting and house swaps, as you were talking about earlier, where people, you know, stay in each other's houses. Um, there are so many different ways to do it. And I feel like there is this thing that like a select group of people that will be like, okay, I have $300. I want to stay here for a month. I technically have the money. So let me like buy the plane ticket and the rest is like going to have to figure itself out. Or I'm going to use all these programs where I'm not spending money and I'm just doing an exchange. And that's something that your typical person who wants to travel, but has just kind of really gone on vacation, doesn't think about. Um, so I love that we're having this conversation and people can see there's so many different ways to try to do it. It is endless. The options are so endless out there. And there's so many great resources online, too, now you can use. You know, like, Kaylin, your book, that is so awesome. There's so many things out there for people. Yes. And, I mean, can you... I don't know. I don't know if you ever think about this, but sometimes I think about, like, when I first started traveling... Um, I didn't know about these resources that much. I knew about a few and I was learning about them on the way, but like, I imagine that doing this like back in the day where there weren't all these online resources was like way more fun in some ways. Cause everything wasn't planned, but also kind of way scarier because everything wasn't planned. Um, so I don't know. Sometimes I like to think about what this doing this type of travel would have been like if there wasn't all these online resources and the internet and this instant, you know, being able to go back and forth with hosts or, you know, join a program like house sitting and just kind of having to make that up on the road, which is, I don't know. It's just something interesting that I always think about. And I wonder if you ever think about that too. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was a a book I had read um, that's called uh, Tales of a Female Nomad. And this all took place in, like, I think the 90s, like, early 90s. And this is a woman who um, started traveling, like, in her, gosh, I think she was, like, her early 30s, maybe, and traveling solo around the world Mm -hmm. and reading her stories. Wow. What a different experience (laughs) then to now. We're so lucky to have the resources we have. But also... It's important to remember, it's okay if you don't know. There's a ton of resources out there because everyone starts from somewhere and everyone starts learning at different points about different things. And mm-hmm. that's okay. Don't feel bad if you didn't realize, like, wow, this whole time I could have been doing X, Y, Z. Yeah, because we all are literally learning at different times, like you said. And sometimes it's fun to, like, not know exactly how it's going to happen and and just see what happens while you're on the road exactly like for me i said spring 2022 i said you know what i'm going to travel for like a full year and make it a full-time thing (laughs) how i'm not sure yet but uh i'll figure it out you know Mm -hmm. by the time fall hits here and then once the fall arrived i was like okay i have like an outline and i'm just gonna go and then things will fall into place. And I feel like that's part of that is what you said earlier is keeping that stubbornness and curiosity at the same time. I love that you said that um, because those are two things that will be really helpful to you if you are traveling and you don't know like 
you know, you're on a budget. You don't know exactly how things are going to go. Keeping that stubbornness, like, I am going to have a great trip and it, I'm going to make it, like, the best that I can. But curiosity, like, how could I do that? Should I talk to this person? Um, should I knock on this door and ask if I can pitch a tent in their yard? Like, stubbornness, curiosity, great combination. Yes, they will take you places. It took me onto a narrow boat in the canals of England quite recently, <laughs> which was so cool. <laughs> Is that one of those boats where you, like, have the long pole that you're... Someone's... There's a rudder in the back. It's like okay. these boats are like seven feet wide by like thirty feet long. Oh wow! And okay. they travel the canals over all over England. And I had always thought they were super cool because mm-hmm. people live in them, like full time live in these boats on the canals, and they're so oh, cool. Wow. And I realized this town that I'm house sitting in has one of these freaking canals. And guess what? It's lined with these boats. So I said to myself. And to my host on the first day, I said, by the time you're back from vacation, I'm getting on one of these boats. (laughs) And I did. So how did you finagle this? We want to hear the story of, like, so this is basically a houseboat, right? People are living in this. Yeah, a lot of them. So you had the stubbornness. You're like, I'm getting in one. And then you had curiosity, like, let's go see how it happens. How did this unfold? Exactly. So there I was walking along this beautiful canal story of the storybook. Oh, it gets me giddy every time. <laughs> and there's these beautiful, awesome boats lining it, and two in particular really stood out to me because it said floating workshop. And I was like, mm. ooh, floating workshop? That sounds interesting. My grandfather um, was a woodworker, and so I really appreciate like craftsmanship of stuff, etc. And I lived on a boat in the ocean before, so I love mm. water and boats. And so I said, oh, that seems interesting. Note to self, maybe I can talk to those people one of these days. And then, you know, a week went by, and guess what? I was right by that boat, and this couple pops up out of the boat and uh, walks onto the, what's it called? Land. (laughs) On the land. (laughs) That was like an aerial moment. Like, what is it called? (laughs) Land. (laughs) And I take the opportunity and I say, hey, excuse me, is that your boat? And they say, oh, yes. And so I introduce myself. I say, hi, my name's Alexis. I'm an American and I'm traveling the world solo by myself for a year. And I think your boat is so beautiful. And I've always wanted to learn more about them. And I have a travel blog where I talk about my adventures. Do you have any time over this next week where I could ask you some questions about your boat? And they said, absolutely, how does tomorrow at, like, 10 a.m. work? Let's get coffee, and I'll bring you on board. And I said, yes, (laughs) absolutely. So, oh, I was so excited. Next day, I get down there to the little harbor canal at, like, 945. I'm all excited. It's a sunny day. And I have the best, like, two-hour-long conversation with Philippa and PJ, who own the floating workshop. Um, and I learned so much about not only like the history of these boats, but also just, like the lifestyle mm. of living on these boats. These people are so cool. They talk to me about different types of like fuels that they use for the boats and trying to be more like green, efficient with energy and like the just the craftsmanship of it all. It's 
so awesome. And I would have never had that experience and met these amazing people if I had been just like, oh, that's a cool boat. I wish I'd go on, but meh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which I think most people's brains default to that. They think, like, oh, I couldn't make this happen. But it's like, yes, little stubbornness, dash of curiosity, you yes. can make it happen. And, yes, and you know what? I do this type of stuff because the worst they can say is no. Yeah. And that's awesome because, you know what, if they say yes, so many cool things can happen. But if they mm-hmm. say no... You just carry on, which is great. Which my, is, uh, and you might run into another boat said, owner. <laughs> yeah, you might run into another boat owner. Someone once said that rejection is redirection, and I mm. take that into my life every day. Okay, that, like, just did something in my brain that needed to happen. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> that is so <laughs> important. Like, that is like, wait, what? That's, like, so few words, but that's so life-changing. Okay. Thank you for putting that into my brain and into the brains of the listeners as well. So the next topic that I wanted to ask you about is queerness and dating abroad and how those two intersect. And so can you tell us just a little bit about what being queer means to you and how that interacts with your travels? Yeah, I love this subject (laughs) and I'm really excited to be talking about it because honestly, I realized like pretty recently that this isn't something that I really get a chance to just like talk to people about on the internet. Mm -hmm. And I realized, why have I not done that? And I think I realized it was like, a little bit of fear of people online and how they can react to things, but I have to be my authentic self at the end of the day, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm i queer, that's what I identify as. I identify as a queer woman who's pansexual and kinky and just out there and dating while traveling (laughs) and so like my my yes my clearness for me is like I enjoy community and being around other queer people from all walks of life Mm -hmm. there's a whole rainbow of us out there you know Mm -hmm. and when I travel I have really enjoyed like trying to get out there and seek out queer spaces because all over the world it's different you know like in the u.s we have depending where you are Mm -hmm. a lot of different options and in some countries it's like they have nothing and in other countries they have a whole bunch of places and it's you're able to be queer and proud and out in the open who you are and i've really enjoyed navigating those experiences while i'm traveling and how have you found queer spaces while you're traveling because I imagine for people um who maybe are like little queer babies or they haven't they're queer and they haven't traveled before they're like how do you mm-hmm. even know where to go how do you find community especially if you're it's not like you're just going there for one month and then you're going back home if you're doing something like you where you're traveling from country to country for an extended period of time Yes, so thank you, Internet. We are so (laughs) lucky to have the Internet because our queer ancestors before us 
you know, it was very underground, and mm -hmm. in some places it still is. You had to get word of mouth, like, what's a bar I can go to? Or, oh, is there, like, a show happening? Or is there a beach I can go to on mm -hmm. the low low? But we're so lucky now. Thank you, Internet. Yeah. So I love to Google. Google, I both love and loathe you. <laughs> um <laughs> I will always do some little queer Googling of the places I'm visiting. Mm -hmm. And there's a website I love to use. It's called Queer in the World. Mm -hmm. There's something like over 200 cities around the world on their website. And they include guides or things like queer-friendly hotels, clubs, beaches, events, fashion, all these cool things. And that's one way um, that I found like queer spaces to go to in places I'm visiting. Amazing. That's like when you have an actual website, I feel like that's so helpful for people. So we will, we will put that, um, in the, that link in the show notes. And have you ever been to a place where you tried to use that website, but there wasn't anything on there? So far, I, I usually will look at it like in the big, like main cities of places like London, or Vienna or Paris mm -hmm. um, because those are usually places that are, are bigger metropolitan cities usually have safer more options for queer spaces so so far I have not struck out luckily when looking into queer spaces on the interwebs okay that's that's good to know that that it may not work for people if they're in like smaller towns or rural areas um, but if you are in big cities that is a great that's a great option and actually there's another episode coming out I think that it might be after your episode so people go look for it um, with my friend Courtney um, and she talks about how to meet queer people on the road too and and didn't say this website so it's really cool to hear different people have different resources so that's another resource for people if they you know, want even more tips on how to find queer people while they're, tr while they're traveling. Heck yes, I love the variety of resources. Yes, and okay, so you gave us a website that you like to use to meet up with people. Can you give us some safety tips for dating? Well, it, it's layered, right? Like dating while queer, dating while traveling, dating while living abroad. What are just some of the main safety tips that you follow? Yes, everyone, when you're dating, no matter where you are, but especially when you're traveling, especially solo, mm -hmm. please keep these tips in mind. <laughs> um, number one, <laughs> please meet the person you're going on a date with in a public space. Mm -hmm. Meet them in a public space. I know it can be so tempting to have that really spicy person just comes straight over to your place for like a cocktail or something resist I promise it'll work out hear Alexis's voice in your head saying resist <laughs> think of me saying resist yeah. <laughs> um, don't tell them where you're staying mm. even the hotel name when you're like talking to someone you know you're doing the introduction it can be really easy to be like oh yeah you know, I'm staying over here at the Indigo in London. Don't do that. Now they know where you're staying. They're mm -hmm. probably not a creep, but they could be. Right. You don't want that. So keep that in mind. Um, when you're going to go on the date, send a friend 
or two friends, the photo of the person, a couple photos, Mm -hmm. the name they've given you, their phone number, and where you're meeting. Mm. And give your friend a follow-up time when you're going to message them to say that you're okay. Mm -hmm. Super important, you know? Also, if you are traveling, make sure your friend that you gave that info to has the detail of where you're supposed to be staying. Because if there's an emergency and they need to contact you through other ways, or if they need to contact someone in the place you're in and supposed to be and tell them, hey, red alert, Alexis went on this date, they were supposed to be back like two hours ago Mm -hmm. and have not contacted me, you're their hotel, can you please do a wellness check? You know, something like that. It's so important to know. And generally, actually, when you're not even dating, it's good for people to know where you're staying that are close to you in case of an emergency. Right, right. That's, yeah, that's a great tip for just traveling in general, too. Yeah. And then my last piece of advice is if you're going out for drinks of any kind, do not accept a drink from someone that's already, you know, opened or like has just been made that you have not seen mm-hmm. being made because you never know you know even if they just like walk to the bar in the other room to go get drinks for you mm. they're out of your mind of sight and you just it's you just don't want to risk it you know right. like please be safe and be mindful of that when you're traveling especially when you're alone and have you ever gone on a date with someone and you're alone and they do that where they're like, oh, let me go get a drink for you and they go in the other room or they're like, oh, I ordered you this drink when you get there and you didn't see it being made. What can you say to them? Because I think for some people, they have that just confidence level and they're just like, oh, no, I only drink drinks when I saw them being made. But some people are really like nervous and shy and don't feel like they can reject someone um what mm-hmm. what advice can you give to them yeah I think it's really important to remember that if you're anxious you know even if you're anxious in that situation your safety is the number one priority and any person that you're going on a date with should respect that mm-hmm. and so if you like gently say to that person like hey you know what I really appreciate you order these drinks, but I'd feel more comfortable if we can, you know, do a different round where I can see them being made. Or even, you know, ask the bartender, because nine times out of ten, the bartender wants you to be safe also. Right. And the person you're on a date with should too. And if the person you're on a date with has any issues with that, it's a red flag and it's time to go. Yeah, that is another great point. If they have an issue with that, that's that's a bad sign. It's time to move along. Bye, Felicia. Yeah, exactly. Okay, thank you. Those are those are great tips for anyone dating. And I will also say that there was this really weird experience I had to build on one of your points in Ecuador, and it wasn't a date, but it was where someone was demanding money from me, and... Um, they were asking me where I stayed at, right? They're like, well, where do you stay? And it was, yeah, it was a lot of pressure. And I'm, I can be quite like this person who doesn't want to upset other people. So I'll get nervous sometimes. And I looked across the road and I saw this big white hotel. And I said, in that big white hotel, even though obviously that wasn't the truth. So if, 
people get into this situation where you feel like you're not safe, someone's demanding to know where you're staying, obviously that's a red flag, but you can look around or you can look up hotels ahead of time to say, um, basically as a cop-out, to say, like, this is where I'm staying, even if you're not actually staying there. So if this person pursues you, they go to look for you, um, they're angry with you, they're trying to find you later, they're going to go to this hotel and you're not even going to be close. Uh, so that's another thing for people if you if you also if you just have a hard time and you know that you're gonna break down and tell that person where you're staying even if it's casually you can lie and say you're staying somewhere else if that's the only way that you're gonna like protect where you're actually staying yes absolutely and you know what if you need to chances are if you go into a place that you are not staying but you're going into there because you do not feel safe and someone is following you they will probably help you get to where you need to be safely. Yes, that that's such a good point, too. So if you actually need to walk into that hotel, do it. Because, like you said, nine times out of ten, they, they want you to be safe. And, and they want to have that good reputation. Like, yes, we help people. We're a safe place. So that's that's another great tip. Me, as a, like, as a, yes, I'm a cis woman, but I'm also, like, pan- and femme mm-hmm. and dating for me has been really hard within the queer community because I am plus size and femme mm-hmm. and it's something we don't talk about a lot of is that I've come to realize I'm not alone in this is that as a pan femme woman it's harder for me to date other like women mm-hmm. in the community because there's like less of a desire, I guess, for plus-size femme women, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. I hadn't realized this until I started to really think about my experiences and then seek out <laughs> information online, like, am I alone in this? Am right. I, like, kind of crazy and gaslighting myself, or this like, harder? <laughs> right. Right. Well, thank you for sharing that because hopefully other people who maybe experience that will be like, yes, that is me too. I am not alone. And sometimes that lifts just a teeny tiniest bit of burden of that. Um, But yeah, I feel like all those different intersectional points of like femme, pan, plus sized woman, it's like, I think people who aren't queer don't realize that there's all these different layers um, that go into queer dating and being queer and it's not like once you're queer you're just like accepted into this club it's like sometimes (laughs) gay people don't respect trans people or whatever like non-binary there's like people don't think that non-binary is a thing like there's all this thing all these different layers inside and um yeah I would also like to see a world where it's more like you're queer you don't have to prove it to me there's no level that you have to hit um, like, welcome, you know? <laughs> exactly. Thank Yes, I agree. Thank you for saying that. I 100% agree. Yes. We're working on it. We're working on it. We're getting there. We're doing it. We're, We're working, working on it. it. And, and it's not to say that there shouldn't be spaces just for, like, this is just a lesbian bar or this is just a, a trans space or whatever, because there totally should be. Um, but just this deeper understanding that there's no one way to be queer which is why I love having queer folks on this podcast talking about experiences like this, their travels all over the world, what they've encountered, because there's just no one way to do it. Exactly. And so on that note, as we get to the end of the episode, um, I have some questions for you by our awesome sponsor, 
Architects at Rome Rhino. And I want to know, which you've touched on this a little bit, but if you have any other thoughts on this, as how is your unique identity as a plus size pan queer traveler impacted your travel experience? You've kind of talked about how it's done it for the worst, like how it's been harder to date people. Is there any way that it's made it better? I, hmm, that's a a really good question. I feel like my identity in some situations, I feel safer because I call this, it's so terrible, but as a plus size person and a plus size woman that's queer traveling, because I'm plus size, I feel safer when I'm alone. Because it sounds so horrible, but the reality is that I have experienced, my experience, of course, Mm -hmm. I am less likely to be harassed by people in all sorts of manners because my fatter body is less desired by the general public Mm -hmm. and people that do you know, bother people, and that is something that I recognize, and when I do travel, I am able to walk down the street alone and feel safer than my straight-sized friend, me, and it's it's a double-edged sword, you know, it's Mm -hmm. something that has impacted me for the better, but it's sad as to why you know right and my other question for you is what would you like to share with other travelers who share some of those same identities with you um when it comes to what you've learned over the years maybe other things you think they need to know about travel or any encouragement that you can get out that you can give to them so that they can get out there and hit the road even if they're a little nervous about traveling yeah i think that it's so important for us to look at who we are now and treat that person that you are currently as you like don't stop yourself from traveling because of who you want to be in two weeks Mm. because you want to like gain some muscle or lose some weight or be better at this or better at that I think it's so important for us to be neutral in ourselves and remember that life is short and to go out there and be stubborn, be curious, Mm -hmm. and do the damn thing. And there's so many great resources, like from Kaylin and so many other great places on the internet or in books, from people, your own community talk to your community, grow your community, and get out there. And we're all here to support you at the end of the day. And we just want you to do the things that bring you joy. Go do it. Take the risk. Be curious. Get out there. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. And that was such a great reminder is, like, that unique identity that you have, um, like taking queerness for example there are queer people all over the world so 
while you may not notice them or you may not see them in different places that you are, they are there and they exist. And um, sometimes it can be easier to find community than you think. And I feel like that is just a strong thing is to find that community all over the world. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah, absolutely. And my last question for you is... How can people who don't share these same identities with you, who aren't plus size or who um, aren't queer, how can they be an ally to you and support your experience in travel spaces specifically? I think it's so important. Like, number one, please listen to us. (laughs) Accept that, yes, while not every person's experience is the same, there's a really strong likelihood that if you have not been in the body I have been in, we've had wholly different experiences most of our lives. Mm-hmm. Be open to feedback. You know, if someone's telling you what you're saying is making them uncomfortable or you're accidentally being fat phobic, it's not an attack on you. It's us trying to create safe boundaries and educate people that we're sharing spaces with. And speak up. If you're traveling somewhere and you see someone not having access to something they should because of their size or being treated differently, your voice can have such a powerful impact. It is so huge because me as a plus size person, you know, saying like, hey, is it possible that I could have a chair with no arms because you have these bar chairs that are made for people that are like 15 inches wide Mm -hmm. versus someone else saying like, oh, hey, yeah, that's like not a problem. Like you guys should be able to help them with that. It's so different than just like me advocating for just myself. Like having support is so huge and encourage your friends, you know, be there for them, be there, be their cheerleader. Mm -hmm. Remember that, they can travel too and they can do the same things you can and it's okay if they do it at a different pace than you yeah thank you for for saying that just listening to people like I hope people can do with this podcast episode where you have shared so much with us I hope people can yeah just listen to that and and kind of incorporate that into their brains so when they're out in the world we can all just um treat each other with the respect that that we deserve Yes to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes to that. Is there anything else that you would like to leave the audience with today? We're going to share your blog. We're going to share some of the things you mentioned in the show notes. But is there any messages you would like to leave them with? Yes, absolutely. All right. <laughs> Get your listening ears on, people. <laughs> We're ready for it. <laughs> Go. Ask questions. Take risks. Shoot your shot. Life is short. There's a whole community of us out here that want to support you on your journey, and the majority of the world is good. Remember that. Always remember that. Make the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it. You know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. So I think for us insignificance, we have to do it ourselves. A lot of people are doing things in their life that they're not 
completely happy with mm -hmm. and they're doing it just because you know it's a norm and they feel like they feel pressured by society definitely or they're just you know stuck in this rut mm -hmm. and you know ruts can be comfortable for people and they can be very comfortable comfort is not how you how you grow as a person <laughs>